Barry Kelvin. How are you, Barry? I'm very well, thanks, Gary. A little bit warm out there? Oh, look, um, I had the air conditioning cranked up in the car because um, I think my thermometer on the dashboard said 30.5 degrees. So yeah. Hasn't been that high for quite some time. Windsor Bridge. Yeah, well, Windsor Bridge is still there, but... Um, just, is just, it? Just. Um, they're dismantling it very slowly, piece by piece, and it's... There was a group that went down to Parliament House uh, yesterday to have a protest, and Robin Preston actually came out and spoke to them. But the minister didn't go, didn't come out and speak to them. All oh, right. As far as he's concerned, the matter's over. The bridge is coming down. The bridge is coming down, and Robin Preston's. You know, even though you, I think you, uh, well, I had um, Nathan Zam. I can never get Zam Progno. Zam Progno in last Thursday, and. Uh, and Nathan's a very versed guy when he comes on radio. He said yeah. it was hard to argue against him. And he's working with her and um, she said she's pretty switched on. Well, she's, you know, she's helping other matters, but her hands are probably tied by the Premier a little bit too with the bridge maybe. Well, it depends how you look at it. Uh, as I said to her, some of the other local members in Western Sydney have stood up to the government and said, no, I want to protect my community. She's not willing to take that step. She's just towing the party line, which... yeah. I know that, you know, there's pressure for her to do that, but this is not an ordinary run-of-the-mill matter. This is a no, once-in-a-lifetime matter. and Runs deep. Once this is gone, it's gone forever. And she'll be condemned if she, you know, if she doesn't stop it. But she appear, apparently doesn't want to stop it. So, so why do you, what's the perception why they're just sort of, just um, sort of biting away to just bit by bit? So, like, you think, that like, some of these places, when they, there's all these controversy, they're gone overnight. Unfortunately, taking down the bridge is not something that can happen overnight. It's it's a long, drawn-out process. So, But they're going to get to a stage soon where something will happen fairly quickly. They'll take big bits mm. in a hurry. Yeah, I've seen the concrete cutters down there. Yeah. They just carve it up and, and but, carve uh, it away. I mean, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories about why they want to take it down. And The biggest one is that they, it gets in the way of barges carrying sand down the river. But I don't, I don't hold to that because... Um, why would you take barges down the river? Where would they be going to? Yeah, well, Nathan uh, Zambrigo uh, had that same theory yesterday. And he, um, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories there, but still, you know, we'll, we'll find out in, in the long run what, why the bridge is going. Yep. Because there's got to be something more than, oh, it's an eyesore. I think it's just stubbornness on the part of the local member and other members of her party. They said they're going to take the bridge down and they're determined to do it and you can't tell them what to do. Robin Preston? Yes. Okay. And I believe that when we had a meeting at her office, she said at the last election people voted for her and she told them then she was taking the bridge down. So she believes she's doing what the community wants and she's going to stick to that. She's very wrong about that and she might pay for that at the uh, ballot box maybe. Well, as you know, I've had a um, online survey going for a couple of weeks and the figures, people who want to keep the bridge... The figures are hovering around 86%. 86%. I predicted 80%. It was even higher than I thought. Mm. 86%. And then, of course, they, they've turned around and said, well, you got all your friends to fill it in. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. And perhaps they got their friends to fill it in. I mean, I don't know who filled it in, but um, it's a big number. And, and I don't think it's – even if you had managed to get some friends to fill it in, that might be 5%, you know. It's still a majority. A large of number want to keep the bridge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She could pay for that um, dearly down the track. Yeah. 
and I've said this before, I think she's making a big electoral mistake. But I'm on the other side of politics, so maybe, you know, I shouldn't be coaching her on how to be a local member, but I, I, I would have thought she'd be looking after her community rather than her party, but... Um, yeah, that's for sure. And she might, as we say, well, she might pay that price because, you know, it's run deep. It's like... um. It's, it's like it's it's like sort of knocking down Rose Cottage, you know, where mm. the first two white Australians bought at Wilberforce um, Village down there. Like it's it's up there with the Windsor Bridge. Like it's it's history. We see all you know sulkies going across it back in the you know the late eighteen hundreds and stuff like that. Yep. Um, it doesn't come any older than that. And and just mm. why? Um, and the and the fallacy that it's what, what it's going to cost eighteen million a year to to maintain it is is crap. No, I think that's eighteen million. Uh, once up to get it to a good state. It's not 18 million a year after that. It doesn't have to be any state. Leave it in the yeah. state it's in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was not going to fall down. Not going, no way. Got another 100 years in it the way it was. Well, that's right. There's still double years. Bs thundering over that day. And we're not talking about There might be the odd you'd come across with a, you had to put up a tent or, um, you know, Begola and yep. for the markers and something like that. And what are they, as we said, it'd start here in uh, Fitzgerald Street and the markers wind down through the malls, yep. down through the park. Down across the bridge, over into the park on the other side. Oh, hey, it's a no-brainer. Well, I think it's very sad for Windsor. It's very sad for Australia to lose something like this. Yes, yes. And um, people will probably start pointing fingers at me soon and saying, how could you let this happen? Well, we know it's not you, mate. Yeah, but I'll still get the fingers. I've tried to stop it. It's just not not my jurisdiction. It's a state government bridge, state government road, state government land. I mean, I can't... I can't make them do anything. I can only appeal to their better nature. And yes. apparently they don't have one. They don't have one. And we, yeah, me and you have talked this over a, lot, a few weeks now um, about this bridge and trying to get it halted and that. And, and we, I think we, we, uh, we, we've lost the fight. The fight is gone. Um, you're, you're not accountable for this because put, you're on air here now saying that you tr- you've done your darndest to try, and, yes. try to save this bridge. And a lot of people did. And we have one of the councillors, I was saying, come up on Facebook and you know, I think he changed himself, Pete Reynolds changed himself to the bridge or he's down there and we've seen the two uh, burly police officers standing over him. So I don't know what the conclusion of that was. but um, Well, I believe he got arrested. Got arrested? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, there was a lot of people taking photos, a lot of protests. Whatever you do, uh, we you know we lost the fight, and then we've lost the battle to save Old Windsor Bridge. It's gone. So, um, yeah, uh, well, it's come, very, very sad. Come election time, you know. Um, well, I hope people don't forget. What yeah, done. don't forget what's happened to Old Windsor Bridge. And um, I mean, I've been criticised as a party member myself. For following the party, but if you if you look at the history of this bridge, when it was first brought up, putting option one bridge there was actually came from a Labor government, came from mm. John Aquilina and Alan Sheeran. Right. And I was on council and uh, all the other 11 councillors voted for that option one, except me. I stood up to the Labor government, even though I'm part of the Labor Party. Yes, that's I right. Said, I said, that would be ridiculous to put that bridge there. You need to keep the old bridge where it is and put a bypass further down the river. Through Wilberforce, like we talked about, where it was originally supposed to go across Ferry Road yep. and up um, Old Stock Route Road and back onto Windsor Road. That was the original plan. So I was the one who started the whole campaign many years ago and had big fights with the Mayor at the time, Bart Bassett, about it. And yep. I lost the fights and option one was chosen. Um, 
and then we had the big, the big fight over option one and I was still at the beginning leading the campaign to stop it. And then a number of those people who had actually voted in favour of it, particularly Greens people on council, suddenly realised that I was right and they jumped on board and actually ended up taking over the whole uh, campaign and kicking me out. And then well, it became their campaign. I said, okay, go for it. As yeah. long as you stop the bridge, but they didn't stop it. How's that working for you? Didn't no, and I think they their campaign was long, but I don't know whether it was a good campaign. It it was basically a confrontation plan to confront the state government, embarrass them, call them names, all that sort of thing. And as soon as you do that, the state government and the local member at the time get their back up and say, you know, I'm not going to do that just because you're yelling at me and calling me names. Yeah. The embassy was there for, what, five years or something? Yeah. Well, and so I, I tried to start negotiating with uh, the local member and see if there's a way out of it, and we had a few talks. But basically he said at the time, no, the decision's been made and I'm not going to bend over for, for this group that just don't know how to talk to people. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And we were actually advertising Save Windsor Bridge for a while until I made it um, obvious to the board of directors that it was a political uh, thing where some people want it and some people don't. So you really, we were taking the side where we shouldn't, and then then that ad stopped. Yep. Um, so well, it's it, it shouldn't be political. That's the point. It should. It's about the area, about the history, and it wouldn't shouldn't matter what anybody said in the past or what party they're in. We need to keep. Well, we needed to keep this bridge, and uh, it's a really sad day for everyone that it looks like it's going to go this week. Yeah, yeah, as you say, when they start to cut it up, then it'll just get dragged across and it'll, it'll yep. be gone. Yep. Yeah, I was going to also tell you, Gary, that um, next week is the mayoral election on Tuesday. Oh, okay. So this could be my last official right. visit with you. Well, you mayor. never know, mate, you never know. Could be, couldn't be, I don't know, but I have really enjoyed coming here and chatting with you over the time. We- um, always a pleasure to have you here, Barry, and of course um, we know your green credentials are great and you've, um, you put up the good fight for the bridge. I think we solved a lot of the world's problems between us, Gary. We did, for sure. (laughs) Right, Barry, uh, New South Wales, RFS, uh, get ready for the weekend. Yeah, we've got a weekend called Get Ready Weekend this this weekend and it's an opportunity for locals to go and engage with their local brigade, find out about the bushfire risk in their area and plan and prepare for the coming bushfire season. So many of the brigade stations will be open if you want to go and visit them. You go to the RFS uh, link, which is www.rfs.nsw.gov.au, and it'll tell you which stations are open, and you can go and drop in there, and they will give you a um, a plan, a bushfire risk plan that you can go through and use in your house, and they'll also talk to you about things you can do at your place and <clears throat> talk to you about what risks there are in your area. So... It's good to go and see what they're doing there, so um, roll up and maybe you can work out whether you could actually join or help Yes, in, in the future. So Yeah, be a volunteer. And, of course, with all the social distancing will sort of be in order yeah, there. Yeah, right? it'll be all, all looked after, you know, but um, take the kids and get them to climb on the fire trucks as well. You know, it's a good little outing if you... Yes, yeah, my partner's with the... Uh, with um, with the, with RFS and um, they uh, they do a great job. They do a wonderful job, and I believe they're doing some hazard reduction today and tomorrow up at Currajong Heights. You can smell it. 
I, you know, I couldn't see it on the way down, so... Mm, I've seen some maybe, yesterday, but... Maybe they thought it was too hot today, but... Yeah, I was up Grace Wall this morning. I didn't never seen any. Yeah, but they were scheduled to do it today and tomorrow. And that's the problem I said last time, is that the, the window of opportunity to do this is very small. Exactly. Winters are getting shorter and shorter, and now it's probably already too hot to do it. So people say, oh, why don't you just burn the lot in winter? Well, you know, you can't. There's not enough time. Well, we had a lot of rain too as well, so yeah. makes it hard. But I believe I, I was reading in the one of our um, <clears throat> papers yesterday that they're looking at some new plans to put in satellites to find the fires and automatic drone planes to go and as soon as a fire shows up on the satellite, a, um, <clears throat> a drone will fly over and try and put it out before it gets too big. That's the direction they're going to go in in the next 10 years or so. Mm, high tech. <clears throat> because if you look at the Gospers mountain fire from last Christmas, wow. it started in this very remote area. They couldn't get in there to put it out. They, all they could do is watch it, basically. Yeah. They sent a few teams in who tried, but it was so remote that it was just out of reach. Yeah, yeah. So by having the drone technology and the satellites, the idea is you can get into those areas. Quick. And they, that could have been put out. Yeah, early. Early. And it went in all directions, didn't it? Yeah. Up the Lithgow and down the, you know, St Albans or something. Well, it ended up going right around to the Blue Mountains and yeah. taking out half of Hawkesbury and half of Blue Mountains. And that fire, you know, people are... People know it was big, but I don't think everyone realises that it, it got to Wiseman's Ferry and it was looking like it was also going to come to um, Richmond. Yeah. Uh, it was coming through Grays Vale. And if it had jumped the river at either of those two points, it would have gone straight through the hills, through Penrith, yeah. and maybe through Blacktown. Yeah. And people in those suburbs, I don't think they understand how close it got. For they sure. think they a lot of them think oh the bushfires that, that's for the people out there in the bush it's not for us well yes it is and unfortunately I think we'll find it out one day that the river has saved a lot of the a lot of those suburbs but if it got over at Wiseman's Ferry it would have gone straight through all those suburbs over there Glenory Arcadia yeah Galston bit of wind and away know. she goes and yeah you wouldn't have stopped it yeah well you know you get all these different fires these days with the as you say with the uh, with the weather and all and um, fires can do anything these days it's just it's just a natural thing radio um, Barry council has recently prepared a draft Hawkesbury local count housing strategy in order to set a clear plan for housing in the Hawkesbury local government area for the next 10 to 20 years is it too late for that infrastructure infrastructure um, it's not too late for that because um, a, lo a lot of what is in that strategy uh, refers to infrastructure and says that this area could be developed if these infrastructure things are put in place. Like it's it's not a it's not a, a plan where we just draw a line on a map and say let's carve this up. It's a, it's a plan about the relationship between housing, agriculture, transport, and infrastructure. So it's called a housing strategy, but it's really much more than that. And I urge people to read it because, as it's, as you said, it's a draft. It's not a final one. We want people to go and look at it. And you've got until the 12th of October to, to do that. And it, it's, we're giving people that long because it's quite a, a comprehensive and thick document and it, there's a lot to talk about. And we want to hear what people have to say. And you go, if you go on to... 
the website I always mention, Your Hawkesbury USA. Just go on there and you'll find the Draft Hawkesbury Local Housing Strategy. And we want to hear what people think about it. And um, I think it's reasonably good. Um, we had a lot of discussions about it and a lot of debate. And I think there were a few points that I disagreed with. But overall, it's a um, reasonable strategy. And, and, um, so what is, um, what is the strategy? Can you enlighten us on some of the tactics or the strategy that's going to happen? You know, when you go up, I go up the Red Bank, right? And my partner lives up there. And she's telling me about... Um, the, the water up there, the water pressure up there is very, like it's, she said, it's like a six-inch pipe. And they've already put three and a half thousand in Red Bank. Kingwood Smith's got to have five. And then another four or five thousand after that. And, you know, all of the, you know, the 50,000 houses, you know, through Mariong out to the Blue Mountains and all that. Water and pressure. Water is a big problem, yeah. And I, I think if you look at the, what's called the voluntary planning agreement for um, Red Bank, and similar places, it, it says in there that they have to upgrade the water at various stages. So what you're looking at right now is the water hasn't been upgraded. It's going to be upgraded for the next stage. So that's like pump stations to push the water yeah, or, or bigger takes. piping yeah, or whatever, yep. whatever it takes? Is, is, that, is, that, is that set in concrete to start before they build these subdivisions? Once, see, there's triggers. Once you get to a certain number of houses or lots being sold, <coughs> then at that point the developer has to do something. So there's a, there's a number, which I don't know what it is, but once that many lots are sold, he has to upgrade the water. And one of the things on that list is the uh, bridge across the river at yeah. Gross Vale there. After he sells a certain number of lots, he has to build the bridge. Yes. So people keep saying, where's the bridge you promised? Well, it is coming once he gets to that number. And he isn't, he isn't there yet. Yeah, no, he's, he's doing it tough. But, but, you know, with Nathan last week, I pointed out the fact there at Pitt Town where that, um, those, uh, all that subdivision went through there and he promised parks, walkways and all, and, and uh, reneged. But um, well, Councillor... Well, I don't know what Nathan said, but that's a very long story, Gary. I mean, I was on council. It took over, I think it was 11 years of debate. <laughs> and, um, over the Pitt Town, Pitt Town proposal, yeah. yeah. And council got kept getting accu accused of stalling it and stopping it. Well, we weren't. What we wanted is all those things you mentioned, uh, river walks and yeah. bicycle paths. and Infrastructure and, for, for and people. And the, the developer agreed. <clears throat> he said, yeah, I'll do all that. And then um, he started getting cold feet. And he went to the state government and basically complained to them that council was stopping him from building all this. Which is... Rubbish. Which, which we weren't. We just wanted the infrastructure to, to go with it. Yeah. So the state government, Frank Sartor, in fact, stepped in, took over the whole thing, took it away from council. As, as they do. And built the houses without the infrastructure. We get the blame for it all the time. But we didn't do it. That's as bad as it gets. Uh, and, you know, people, are, when they buy these properties, they promise the parks, walkways and, you know, user-friendly, all this stuff, and, and nothing got delivered. And the um, developer blames council, then yep. the government blames council. Yep. <laughs> council on the flogging to nothing because yep. they wanted these um, developers to do the right thing. Yep. Is that going to happen at Red Bank? Well, um, well, Nathan was telling me that, you know, all the ticks and T's are, are in place that the developer uh, has to, whatever's on that map and they decide and has to go ahead. Yes, Red Bank's different to Pitt Town. Right. 
and there is a, what's called a voluntary planning agreement, as I said, and the developer has to follow it. Once he gets to a certain number of lots, he has to do the next thing, and, and there's roads that need to be reconstructed and widened, and they're all in there, and there's preschools that need to be built and shops that need to go in, and that's all in that plan. It all shows when it happens. Just at the moment, though, of course, there's not a lot of sales going on. He's, he's not getting to the numbers. So. But as, he, as they do, then those things will happen. So um, once again, we'll get the blame for that. We're getting blame for that bridge. Why is council stopping the bridge? Nothing We're further not from the truth. the bridge. We want the bridge to go through. Like, And uh, then they, people are saying that he's paid his money for the bridge and given it to us. Well, he hasn't. We don't have any money it's up to him. And when he said he's going to do it when he gets to a certain number of lots. Yeah. So he does. But he's not there yet. And when he does, the bridge will be built. But unless he goes bankrupt or something. But yeah. even then, I think it's built in that those things happen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it reminds me of an old pol- politician called Don Chip. You know, you've got to keep the bastards honest, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I had a couple of locals talk to me the other day. They want to carve up their land. They live up at Courageong Way and they're. They want to carve it up and, like most people of my age, they want to give half to their kids. Yes. And they went to Robin Preston and said, uh, can we do, you know, can we do this? And she said, oh, you could, but the council is stopping you. Go and see the council. <laughs> Councils are the flogging nothing. So they came to see me and, and the planner and we said, no, we're not stopping it. We have to follow the state government regulations and that area over there can't be zoned for housing under the under the state government regulations. We yeah. cannot let you do it. So we get a lot of that from the state government there. And Dominic in particular, when he was a member, he used to do it all the time. He'd say, oh, council is stopping you. Well, no, we're not. Just we're passing the buck, no. We, fight, we, we really have our hands tied by the state government in many areas, including housing, including land zoning. It's, it's all tied up by the state government and we can't just go and do what we like. Mm. And well, that's what we were talking about last night with Nathan, where this panel is made up because of the, you know, developers that used to be on council, which is it's crazy these days. I don't think that happens now. But these, these faceless people make the decisions on behalf of the constituents of the Hawkesbury. Mm. That's been taken out of, out of the council's hands now. That's right. Maybe what for the better, but sometimes for the worse. Well, it's definitely easier for us. We don't have the big fights we used to But you're still getting the blame. But we get the blame. <laughs> So what happens is if someone puts up a planning proposal, let's say they want to turn an area into 50 housing blocks, they send it to council, our staff look at it and make a, make a recommendation. Yes, it can go ahead or no, it can't. Now, that recommendation is not whether it should go ahead, but whether legally it can or can't. And they might also put in there that the community doesn't want it or whatever. That recommendation goes to the panel and the panel uh, then decide whether that goes ahead, not council. So the only role council plays is to write the report and then it's the council staff, not the councillors. Councillors have no role in many of these things anymore. And that was the current Liberal government that took that those powers away yep. from us. So people, when you, when you go to vote at the Another council... Another excuse to boot them out. You go to vote at the council election, you think you're voting for someone who's going to make all these decisions. But there's not many decisions that we have left that we can make. Yeah. And does this, does this happen with other councils? Is it across the board? It's across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Most councils in the state are in this position. Yeah, right. So 
we, you know, I fought against that one too. I, I thought if you people voted for a local council, they, they were voting for people to represent them. This this panel is not voted for. The the, the residents get, don't get to choose who's on the panel. It's mostly appointed by the state government. Yeah. So who's making the decisions? A non-elected body. Who's getting the blame? The council. From these faceless people. And Nathan shouldn't talk too loudly about it because it was his government that put them there. <laughs> well, hey, well let's 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 um let's put the blame where the blame uh, lies. Um, um, Barry. Okay, Roddy. On on a lighter note, school holiday programs. Oh my God. Yeah, I can't believe it. School holidays again. Is that the 29th of September or something, yeah, is it? Yeah, a couple of weeks away. Two uh, weeks. Oh, and they're off for a week or something, aren't they? Or? No, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And it takes in the Labor weekend, Labor Day weekend, which um, happens to be my birthday, Gary. People ask me when my birthday is. It's Labor Day. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> We've been a Labor man and all. Easy well, to remember, isn't it? Well, let's let's hope you get to come back in here so we can play Happy Birthday, mate. But like you and me, I've my daughter's already teed me up for the rotten grandkids, so I'll have to you know take them bush and yeah, I'll be doing the same. But there's a whole lot of activities at yes. the library and the gallery, and uh, you can see those on our website uh, for kids during those two weeks. It's all um, COVID organised, and a lot of it is online. Um, so have a look on our website and get, you know get the kids involved in some of those activities, especially if it rains, you know. Yes. Kids are are sitting around looking at the walls and this might be... uh, Inside drawing. Good thing to look at. Right. um, How's the roads going lately? We've done done a few here, but look at it. Footpaths? Yeah, well, we've done Castlereagh Road at at Richmond. Um, I saw that just the other day. You know, along that section where there's that great big wide footpath. Yeah, I've seen that wide curtilage on the side of the road. Well, they put a footpath in there. That's good. And one at Bly Park in Arkell Drive. And as you know, um, <clears throat> I've been on about footpaths in my two years as yep. mayor. I said, I, I think I want to do is, you know, see if we can double or triple the, the amount of footpaths. And I think we've done it. I haven't got the figures yet. But it's something I really thought was necessary, particularly. Oh, in this day and age, it's a no-brainer. But you know, it's all—it all costs money. But um, so we're working on one now on Cox Street, South Windsor. Yeah. And hopefully there'll be a few more in South Windsor because um, the footpaths around there. Too. Church Street Reserve, Eastern yeah. Side, yeah, yeah, underway. Two years ago, that was just—you um, couldn't—if you had a wheel uh, wheelchair or a pram or anything like that, you just had to go out on the road because there was no footpaths. So. Hopefully we made it a bit safer for people as well in South Windsor and made it a little bit more civilised. South Windsor always seemed to me to be the poor relation around here when it comes to footpaths in particular and roads. So yeah, Hopefully yeah. they're seeing a bit of activity now for their money. Yeah, that's for sure. Right, Pebbly Hill Road in Moravia, a bit some widening and rehabilitation out there, yes, Miller's Road, yeah, yeah. Mitchell Park. Used to go out there when I was a kid, great little part of the world. Yeah, yeah, I went out there a few times. All, all needs fixing. Yep. Rightio, Barry, um, is there anything else we need to touch on? Oh, no, I just wanted to say goodbye if, if in case I'm not back as mayor in two weeks' time. And Two weeks' time? Yes, um, well, the election's next week, but right. I'm due back here in two weeks' time, so if, I, if I'm not mayor, then I want to thank everyone for support they've given me and thanks for those who listened on this station and thanks to you and your station for allowing me to come on and talk about all these um yes local events very important stuff i have got 
quite a few people feed back to me and see how much they uh, enjoy our little chats, Gary. And, yes, yes, yeah. that's the f- that's the feedback I'm get to uh, too. And of course, you can see them. You can hear them live on Hawkesbury Radio if you go to the Hawkesbury Radio site and um, just hit on that blue part of it, and you know, the the uh, interviews come up. And I think and, I think the mayoral election will be online, right? So if you if you're really bored and you've got nothing better to do with yourself next Tuesday night, you. Go so on. next Tuesday night we can vote. No, you don't vote. But the council votes, don't it? That's the, the twelve years, the isn't it? Councillors vote. Yes. Yeah, the twelve votes, and yeah. so there's no deciding vote. There's just twelve councillors, and that's it. Yes. <laughs> we there's, no, there's no casting vote. So if it comes out as six all as it did last time, yeah, the two names go going into back hat. into the hat. Sounds very archaic, but there's really no other way to do it. Yeah, because there's no deciding vote, is there? No. So, uh, as I said, if, you, if you're bored witless next Tuesday night and you think, what am I going to do with myself? Well, you can tune in and watch watch the fun. Watch the fun. Okay. We wish you all the luck, Barry, and of course, if we don't see you, you're always welcome to come in here any time and uh, talk about issues regarding the Hawkesbury because a lot of the, uh, a lot of the infrastructure and a lot of things have been taken away. Uh, through the state government and this panel, so-called panel, that's even deciding about this crusher, uh, so-called crusher going at Ebenezer. So one can hope that doesn't go through. Um, this panel sees reasoning um, to uh, not to spoil the identic lifestyle we got out there at Ebenezer with this industrialised crusher. We do wish you well. Thank you. And you never know, mate, we might see you in a fortnight's time. Oh, you may, if the hat is kind to me. Yes. I, I might be back. Rightio, mate. We'll just get, them, get a bowler hat. Yeah, give it a rub before they pull the name out. <laughs> okay.